Yeah, I don't get why people like Zoom. You know, like my work never uses Zoom. So what do you guys use? Google Meets. Dude, Google Meets is trash. Yeah, I was gonna what? say. I feel like Google Meets is garbage, man. I can't believe you just said that right now. I'm kind of judging you. Dude, <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is the What A Year podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy George. And today I've got with me two of my very good friends, Alex Lee and Fi Nguyen, talking about goal number 23, cliff jump in Hawaii. Boys, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me for this episode. Yeah. yeah. For a little bit of background, Alex and I, we went to college together, but we didn't really start hanging out too much until after college. Really, it was kind of that Whistler snowboarding trip. Um, yeah, that brought us right. together. And then Fee and I met through Alex uh, actually in Hawaii on this trip, which is kind of crazy to think about. Alex is uh, living in San Jose, product designer at Zimbato, been there pretty much forever, what, yeah, six, seven years? <laughs> <laughs> and Fee is an enterprise AE at Cloudflare. Um, also been there for a good bit, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Been crushing it from what I can tell. Both of these guys are big outdoorsmen, surfer, snowboarders aspiring real estate investors and um, all around decent uh, spike ball players as well. <laughs> did I, did I miss anything? Is there anything else uh, I should add in that intro? No, not really right. on the head. Um, Except so, the spike ball piece. I would say we're a little bit better than decent. <laughs> That's fair. She is That's fair. Trash. So we completed this on October 20th, 2020 to give a little bit of context we didn't end up going to Hawaii together, right? We actually ended up meeting when we were in Hawaii. So, you know, I was there to cross off this thing off my list and, you know, do a couple of other things. But I guess question number one is just like, what, what was the reason you guys were in Hawaii? Why'd you want to head out there? That was the first trip, right? So uh, it's been two since. I think the uh, big yeah. motivator was uh, the ability to remote work. And Fee and I were like, why not spend indefinite amount of time in Hawaii. So we tried out a month first. Yeah, I think the the initial catalyst was for Hawaii was actually a, a previous trip that we took um, right before it. That's we true. were in San Diego yeah. for a month. Um, same reasoning there. We just wanted to work remotely and get out of the city, yep. wanted to be near a beach. So we got a beach house there. And then uh, for me personally, that was a trip where I learned how to swim and also learned how to surf. Crazy. And then... You know, coming back to San Francisco after a month in San Diego, I definitely still had that itch of wanting to be near a beach. And I had some friends here who I do jujitsu with in San Francisco that told me that they were planning on moving to um, Hawaii indefinitely and just to basically work remotely throughout the entire duration of COVID for however long it would last. And that kind of incepted, incepted me. And I was like, hmm, why don't we just do that for a month and see how it is? We can surf, we can hang out, work remotely, kind of kill two birds at one stone. Um, so then we just kind of took the leap of faith and right when Hawaii allowed travelers to visit and not quarantine for 14 days, as long as they showed proof of a negative COVID result, we just kind of immediately booked our flights and, and, and flew. Right. And on that, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the penalty for breaking that quarantine rule was up to $5,000 and one year in jail, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. 
And Alex, you almost had a, you had like an issue, right? With your COVID test. Man, you reminded me of that. Um, yeah, because uh, I took multiple COVID tests right before and they had to be within like 72 hours of landing. Right. Mine didn't come back in time. And then, so we're, we're, we're in this really long line and I was kind of showing them proof that I took it, but I didn't get results yet. So it's pending and they didn't really know what to do with me. Right. So they just kind of put me in this pending state and they're like, wherever you're going, we're going to write it down. Police are going to know like where you are and you're not allowed to like leave your room. So it got like complicated because fees passed. He's trying to get after it. And I'm like, man, like you should, you should go. You should. But can you like bring food back to the room? <laughs> <laughs> so eventually I got my results back, but it was a weekend and they, they weren't like this whole system didn't allow me to like upload and approve until like the government workers were back on Monday. So I was like, I'm just going to go. And like, if I get stopped, I'll show them like the result was negative. And so we went out to dinner that night and then we came back and I think we were like chilling. We we're like drinking a beer and we get like this knock on the door. It was like three police officers like ready to arrest me. <laughs> and we're, we're like, show us like your QR code with like your negative result. And thank God, like it was updated by that point. And I showed them and they're like, wow, this is such a waste of time. Like, you guys are chill. You guys have a good night. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that would have been really bad. I, w- I probably would have went to jail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was early, early pandemic travel, right, where everything was still being figured out. So uh, obviously on my list was to, to go cliff jumping in Hawaii. And I had researched a bunch of different places. Um, China Walls was really the only feasible one at that point which was kind of a bummer just because of the rainy season or lack thereof. All the other spots that I had looked at, the water was too low, but China walls, obviously you're jumping into the ocean. That's not really a problem. So that's why I wanted to do it. I understand, you know, Alex just likes to send it no matter, no matter what he's doing, but fee, I didn't realize literally had just learned how to swim. So I remember thinking, I was like, why isn't this guy jumping in when we first got there? So I guess my question for both of you um, and Alex, I guess we'll, we'll start with you first. Why did you want to do this? Was it just for a matter of adventure? Or is this something that you've always wanted to do? Specifically China Walls? China Walls or, I mean, just anywhere in Hawaii, really. Honestly, cliff jumping scares the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> it, it's, there's just so many horror stories from that. Just like your head or your body hitting like a uh, shallow surface underneath. Um, but I do remember Fee had shown me this video before our trip of China Walls of someone like surfing off like this wave that comes in and just like brushes against the wall yeah. and like erases like the, the level of water pretty high. And then it keeps moving like down this angled trajectory. And I thought it was like the coolest thing. And I remember when we actually got there, I was like, oh shit, like people jump in this like at that time I thought it was just a surf spot Mm. seeing other people jump in and come out was probably like when I realized like I'll be fine like it's not like I'm the only one there I I think at that point you had already done it too and then you're telling about like you had you had a hazard right did you did you have something where you like like, I got fucked up by the way (laughs) 
Yeah, man. I had bruising all up and down my ribs because the waves threw me into the rock. Yeah. That was the first time that I really learned to appreciate and respect water. (laughs) There's not a whole lot you can do when it takes. Do you remember like how it happened as like how the impact happened? Yeah. I guess one thing for context, um, you know, if you haven't been to China walls before is like what makes this jump difficult isn't the height, right? It was about what, 10 to 15 feet. Um, and you're just jumping into the ocean. So there's really no fear of hitting the ground or the bottom of the ocean. Um, you're not really afraid of hitting rock as you jump down. What makes it really hard is that there's no, there's no clear path out. So you're just like over this cliff and you jump in and instead of, you know, looking for a ladder or just kind of crawling out like you would in a lake, you have to scale this wall with just whatever crevice you can find. Um, Mm -hmm. and on top of that, the ocean current is coming in while you're trying to climb it. And a lot of people, especially avid surfers, I'm sure are much better at reading the current than I am, but I really had no sense, you know, other than just when the water was about 15 feet away from me, how strong that water was coming in. And so when I got injured, I remember I was just trying to climb up and a a big wave was coming in fast while I was still on the wall. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to hold on to the wall. I'll let the water ride past me and then I'll climb out. Uh, and, then, and then instead the wave just comes in and throws me, just flings me like a rag doll, throws me up against the wall. And, you know, I'm like totally turned around. I have no idea where I am, but I finally get out of the water. And there were only like two or three other people there at that time. And I see all three of them looking over the edge with this horrified look on their face. And I didn't think it was that bad at the time because I had so much adrenaline going. But then once I finally got out of the water, I realized I was like completely messed up. All up and down. You're like bleeding everywhere. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you guys about that before we went jumping because uh, I wanted you that to still jump in with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But Fee, so for you, I'm super impressed that you actually ended up doing it. So was it like a, a conquering your fear thing? Was it the fact that there were a bunch of babes there watching? Like what was that? <laughs> I think it was a combination of it's definitely a combination of all those things. <laughs> um, not going the first time around, I definitely had FOMO. And going the second time around, we decided to jump off on the, the left side of China Walls, which is a little bit less steep. Yep. And then I had Jordan doing it with us as well, which is a friend of ours. Yep, yep. And I figured the trip's almost over. It's the worst that can happen. I was feeling overly confident. <laughs> Didn't have any near-death experiences up until that point. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm feeling, feeling lucky. So I jumped in and then immediately, as you mentioned, I felt how strong the currents were. Yeah. And as you probably remember, but the currents are pulling you, you know, 10 yards in one direction, 10 yards in another direction. It's like very exposed ocean, ocean. And then that just created instant panic for me. <laughs> when I, when my head came out of the water and I looked up and I realized there's only one way out of this, this, this area and that's climbing this wall. Yeah. And if I can't climb out of here and no one's going to save me. <laughs> I just immediately panicked, which is the one thing you're not supposed to do. And I started just treading really, really fast, use yeah. the most of my energy. And then I'm making eye contact with Alex, who's also seeing me panic. I can tell that he's getting really afraid. <laughs> At the time, before, before I jumped in, he was casually drinking a White Claw. And when I jumped in, he was still holding that same White Claw. But now he was kind of pacing back and forth, telling me to calm down. <laughs> yeah. And At one point, he puts down the White Claw. And he's like, hey, calm down, calm down. <laughs> And then after about 30 seconds, I just panic and I swim towards the wall and there's a big wave coming. And Alex is like, no, no, you got to wait for the wave to push you in. You, you don't want to hold on to the wall. Be- probably because of what happened to you, Jeremy. 
but then I was like, I was like, fuck it. I got to get out now. So I just <laughs> scramble out. My hands are bleeding. Cause I was like grabbing onto these spiky oh. and I just get out ASAP. Yeah. And uh, yeah, luckily I made it out, but I, I definitely had that moment where I was like, Oh my God, I legit might die right now. Yeah. Well, you, you live <laughs> to tell the story, but yeah, that's a good point. I forgot just having that patience. Because definitely the first time you're in this deep, you know, you're in the open ocean and it is really easy to start panicking and just treading really quickly, but the water is actually really salty and really buoyant. So if you just kind of like chill, you can actually just hang out in the water for a while, but that's the kind of thing that even if you see someone do it until you've experienced it and been in the water yourself, um, you know, you're not going to be able to do the first time around. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It was pretty gnarly when we can't run around the second time this past trip um it's like the summer has a lot stronger south swells yeah the china walls being on the south side of the island is, right right is it seeing like all that like before it hits any other part of the island yeah and dude these were like massive like they're like covering the point where you jump it's it's incoming before breaking That's is nuts. going over like the area where we're jumping in and you no, guys, did you guys jump in? I didn't jump. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I probably wouldn't <laughs> <do that. laughs> um, But you did go, you did go somewhere else, right? Because I thought I saw Moana Willie, that one. Moana Willie. Can you can you describe that? It's like a pond. That one's like a hike. And then there's a um there's like a smaller waterfall and then like a bigger waterfall off the side. And then you jump in this really shallow, like of water yeah. but it's not the ocean so there's no like current or anything right. right different hazard with this one is most people were doing like shoes on because it's shallow so if china walls was like 10 15 feet um people were saying this one was like 35 40 feet Ooh. so like it was considerably higher and the pool of water was so much smaller and our group had like a kind of like a a friend that was like a tour guide, he had already done it like three reps before any of us had the balls <laughs> to do it. And I was like, fuck, I can't let him lap me like four times. On this <laughs> and th- there's no way back. You kind of like climb up this thing with a rope and then there's a ledge. Yeah. It's really muddy. So you can't backtrack really back to right. if you decide like there's only one way down. Don't do it. There's only one way down. <laughs> Um, well, I guess you, I'll you, turn around and you be like, Jay, what, why, why did you want to cliff jump? Why was that even on your list? Um, I love the concept of just jumping in a big open body of water. It's pretty low. It's pretty low risk, right? Like, of course, if you're jumping from 40, 40, 60 feet, there is a real significant uh, impact. So you'd have to take that into consideration. But me, I love, um, you know, I, I love that type of activity that it feels pretty inconsequential. Um, what I really liked about cliff jumping in Hawaii specifically was that felt like the birthplace in a lot of ways of the sport of cliff jumping, I guess. I saw videos of, uh, of China walls um, and I thought it looked really epic. And a lot of people just go there for the view. You know, it's, it's a great place just to chill, watch the sunset. Uh, you don't have to jump in the water and it can still have a good time. So, and actually to kind of fees point earlier, I just like pushing my comfort zone, basically, or pushing myself to the edge of my comfort zone uh, and then seeing what goes over. I think when you conquer things that you are afraid of, um, or at least attempt to, even if you don't fully conquer them, if you attempt to, 
that really broadens your ability to approach other problems in life that might be completely unrelated. Um, and so that's really big for me. Like, you know, there's a famous quote by, um, oh, I forget his name, but the quote goes something along the lines of life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. Uh, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think when you start to see patterns in how you approach different problems and where they apply in other areas, you really do expand your comfort zone. And so it just makes me more confident to kind of attack life. Even if I'm not going to be going cliff jumping every day, um, you know, it gives me that sense of confidence. So for all those reasons, I was like, I should just make this happen. I mean, out of, out of curiosity, how, how does the, the fear of cliff jumping compare to skydiving? Oh, cliff jumping is way scarier. Really? I think so, because there's a lot more onus on you. Well, you know, when you're, when you're skydiving, you sort of accept the fact that you have no control over what's about to happen. <laughs> like when I was skydiving, I, yeah, I, I really had no concerns with it. So, so you like that being when you're cliff jumping, it's all on you. I definitely like that. By no means am I like a thrill seeker, but I definitely do enjoy that type of stuff. So that's what I really liked about it. And that's why I thought it was actually really cool for you, kind of the, the point that you made, which does make me curious. Is there anything where you feel like you've been able to just approach it with a little bit more assertiveness or confidence? I, I don't know what the word would be, but yeah, I'm just curious what the, the effects have been. I think it sounds cliche, but I feel like it's impacted all parts of my life. For example, like investment wise, I've always wanted to take the leap of faith and invest in things outside of just like stocks because stocks are pretty passive. It's easy. You don't have to manage anything. It's not that stressful. It goes up and down, yep. but other investments such as real estate are a lot more, a lot more hands-on. There's a lot higher learning curve. Um, and then, you know, after like learning how to swim, I was like, you know what, like that wasn't that bad. And I did it and it was difficult. Why don't I like just do this real estate thing? Something that I've always wanted to do, put a lot more time and effort into it and actually just do it and take take that risk, right? Mm. What's the worst that can happen if it goes wrong? I'm not going to die like I would drowning. <laughs> if you drown. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So since then I've gone like head first into, um, a few real estate deals that, that have like kind of, uh, kind of that I've crossed paths with actually in Hawaii. So I'm actually in the process of like doing a deal in Philadelphia on a three, two, three, two duplex. Uh, I'm actively looking at other real estate investment opportunities as well and basically i'm in a position where i'm trying to this sounds again cliche but i'm trying to like fail fast fail fast learn and then get good at this uh while i'm still young and while i still have the, the time and the, the energy and the resources to do so yep. yeah i think what i learned through this entire ordeal over the past year just like learning how to swim and kind of conquering my fears is that something new, something difficult is going to suck. It's going to suck a lot initially trying to learn it, trying to overcome it, but it will get better. And the funny thing is I actually am still practicing my swimming like three or four days a week at the gym because I want to be really, really confident while I swim. And I saw a guy, he was in the same swim lane as me yesterday. And he had, he was also, you can tell he's learning how to swim as well. He had a little the, the, the paddle helper and he was like kicking really hard. And I could tell he's also learning. And I like, I like, I was chatting him up. I was like, yeah, hey, you learning how to swim as well. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to get better at it. I was like, that's cool, man. Like I, I like went through the same thing about six months ago and uh, it, it, I, it's gotten a lot better. And he's like, dude, no way. You just learn how to swim too? Oh, dude, that's super inspiring. And then uh, I think it was just cool to see someone that like where I was at six months ago. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you don't give up, if everyone knows what to do, as long as you don't give up, you can 
figure out most things. Most things aren't rocket science. You bring up two things that I think that have been really reinforced for me in this year. And one of them is um, the power of like having other people, right? So in this case, you saw this guy who is in a similar position to you um, and just being able to kind of diffuse not the embarrassment, because that by no means is that the word, but when when you are new, when you're a novice at something, especially as we get older, I find it's hard for me to be comfortable being like totally bad at something mm-hmm. because you're, you're just not used to that, right? There's certain things that you're an expert in um, now, uh, you know, at the age of 30. So to have to start over, you feel like a child. But when you can diffuse that a little bit across other people, it makes it a lot easier. And then the second thing um, that you mentioned is uh, being able to see progress. So in this case, you weren't looking at yourself six months ago, but you're seeing someone else that was where you were. I find that that's really motivating is when I can see the progress that I've made. Cause even if I feel like, wow, I'm still, you know, really bad at swimming or in my case, I'm still really bad at guitar. I'm really, you know, I still don't speak Spanish that well. If I've documented from the beginning, what I was like six months ago, it's really motivating to see that progress. And that often evokes the emotion that I need to like keep going and keep working at it because you know that it has paid off. Yeah. I think, but I think how I would define that feeling is that it's, it's empowering when you know that you're better than yesterday, you're a lot better than two weeks ago and you're way better than a month ago. It's empowering to an extent. It's almost addicting, right? You're just addicted to getting better and better and better because who wants to be bad at anything, right? Especially if you're talking (laughs) about it. And I love the, the parallel to, uh, to real estate investing which is a big risk. Um, but Alex, I'm curious for you. I don't know if cliff jumping was like this big fear, fear conquering thing necessarily for you, but um, in general, was there anything that you took away just from that experience or from the Hawaii trip more broadly? I think, I guess maybe my takeaway was that, damn, people do this like every day. This is how people live. And here I am like going to the office, getting on the computer every day and kind of like, like I got my routine, right? And then go to the gym and cook dinner, go to, go to bed, repeat. And I see like people like just like go to work, they go cliff jump, they go surf. And it's like, you can live like this, it's possible. And I think you can design your own life. You just have to figure out what you want. And all these different experiences are inspiration. Like Jeremy, like what you're doing is like, I don't even know if I could come up with 52 things that, (laughs) you know, but the fact that you're going after it motivates me to want to like find the thing that I really want. Um, Even if that means trying a few different things and it not working out, like you said. So I I see it all as kind of just like data and just like, I'm going to cherry pick things that I like and just try to like do more of that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the product designer on the call talks about how to design your life <laughs> based <laughs> off of inputs and data. Plastic. <laughs> but that, I mean, that totally resonates. And I know, I mean, Fee is going to move there. Alex, would you consider moving there, living there for you know a year, two years? What I would say is I know where I am now is not where I want to be. Uh, I don't know San if Hawaii is the right spot. I mean, you don't love San Jose, California. <laughs> it was great being a new student, great coffee <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, it's definitely got me um, a sense of urgency that I want to make a move within by next year, like early next year. Um, and I'm actually going to LA tomorrow for a month. 
Sick. So trying to figure out what I want. I honestly don't know. Um, what I know is what I like from what I've experienced so far. And Hawaii and San Diego both have things I really like. And the Bay also has things I like. And all of us being here in the Bay makes it harder to leave. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Fee, for you, what was the uh, what was the main catalyst for wanting to move to Hawaii? Exactly what Alex mentioned, but less so uncertainty and more so confirmation of what I really want in life and how I want to live day to day, month to month. Like, I think I this past year has, and like, I live alone in San Francisco. I've really gotten comfortable with myself, and I've gotten a lot of chance to be introspective and figure out like how do I want to spend my time now that I have all day working from home no one looking over my shoulder like what 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 does make me happy yeah um and you know what I realized is that you know being hungover Saturday Sunday blacking out Friday Saturday night that's not really what makes me happy the people that I hang out with obviously during you know those nights and the day after those that's what I really enjoy but the actual like going out getting hungover I'm kind of past that um, and I realized, you know, I like being outside. I love picnics. I love mingling, hanging out with people who are also adventurous that, you know, on a whim will decide to just go to Vegas tomorrow or go on a hike tomorrow, go surfing tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. People that kind of live freely. I think I find that exciting. That's how I try to live my life. And I think yeah. I realize I want to be surrounded by people like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think Hawaii or even San Diego were always like distant dreams that may become a reality in the future when I could retire and not have to work anymore. But now that I have the flexibility to work remotely permanently, I realize that if I don't seize this opportunity, I'm always going to regret it. And unfortunately, you know, being 29, you know, on my way to being 30 soon, like time is not on my side. Mm. So again, I just got to take the leap of faith. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and I'll figure it out. But I feel like for the most part, life usually finds a way to kind of work itself out, right? Absolutely. I love that. I think a lot of people, especially because of this past year, have had similar experiences where they've had that opportunity to be introspective um, and think about what really matters to them. So yeah, I hope everyone just goes out and actually does those things, which I think brings me to my last question for you guys that I like to end every episode with, which is what is one thing that's on your bucket list? Alex, you want to go first? Alex, I think it's all up to you. I would like to live in a different country that doesn't speak a language I know for like that, like a little while, a few months, and and then try to. I I see it as a challenge to try to figure out how to like fit in and still kind of like do my own thing and solo travel. Those are those are two on my list. Is there a country that you're speaking or a language that you're speaking of, uh, thinking of, sorry, um, or just anywhere where you don't speak the language? I picture somewhere like first world, at least when I envision this, like Taiwan. I speak a little bit. I can understand a bit, but it's not definitely not all the way there. Yep. Somewhere in Europe would be kind of cool too. That'd be sick, man. Yeah. Fee, what about you? big bucket list item for me is to do my first house flip to really get my hands dirty bang my head on the wall and have it be a really difficult experience so that whatever real estate deal i do moving forward from that is going to feel easy uh i guess that's professional bucket list 
personal would probably be, or actually would definitely be just traveling abroad and probably taking a sabbatical and not being held to like a schedule or a job and kind of stressing about that, but really, really kind of clearing my mind and getting everything that I want to do in terms of traveling and exploring kind of out of my system. So that when I come back and settle back down wherever I'm at, Hawaii or San Diego, I'm not going to have any second like doubts or second thoughts about not taking that trip or not visiting that place and not doing that one thing. I just want to kind of do it all at once and do it while I don't have a job. <laughs> do you think that it is possible to fully get it out of your system? I think it is. I mean, I, I definitely want to have said that a couple of years ago, but I think a, a prime example for that would be snowboarding for me. Mm. I don't have any inclination to get a season pass or mm. to, to go snowboarding anymore. It's totally out of my system and I've, I've, I've fully kind of traded it in for surfing and I'm totally at peace with it. It's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic <laughs> for Alex. I do agree the drive sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, appreciate you guys again. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. That was a blast. And uh, hopefully we can all kick it again soon. Yeah, definitely. You'll definitely come join. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll do. All right, fellas. Take it easy. See you, brother. Peace. Peace.